going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Retake Lounge. We have an interview for you guys today. Um, we are bringing on Jamie Rowe. She is part of our Patreon. And what we are going to be interviewing her about is uh, she doesn't even have a retake yet. So why bring someone who doesn't have a retake on a retake podcast? That's because she has done her due diligence and research on the animal that she wants to have, um, which I'm pretty sure is a super dwarf. We'll, we'll talk to her about that. But uh, we want to pick her brain on, you know, things like when did she feel ready? When does she plan to buy one? What did she learn in the process? And all that good stuff. So um, for those of you watching on YouTube, thanks for the support. Like, comment down below, and subscribe. And don't forget that we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. All right, guys, remember to head on over to US Arc and become a member today. If you're a part of the retic or any part of the reptile community, it is of the utmost importance that you're a member and helping them uh, when it comes to fighting for our rights to keep the animals that we love. So head over to usarc.org today and become a member. Yeah. So before we go ahead and bring Jamie on, we're just going to tune in to our sponsors that we can't think enough. Uh, so we will be right back with Jamie. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows on Morph Market and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. And maybe you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. You want to make your own way doing what you love. You might just have a big idea and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake. Have a conversation with him. To learn more or get started, visit sdidentity.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brand, own markets, Steward Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best-looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cubed Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house our animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animal's comfort and well-being. Visit focuscubedhabitats.com for your animal's caging needs. Again, visit focuscubedhabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. 
We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. All right, Jamie, what's going on? Hey, guys. Hey. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah. None of us are wearing green. How awful. Oh, I have green on. Okay. okay. It's just a little bit. Right. Tell us, uh, first off, I mean, go ahead and introduce yourself and um, animals you have, where you're from. Let our listeners know who you are. Okay. Hey, guys. Um, I am Jamie. I have actually had reptiles for a long time since I've been in my early 20s. I worked at a pet store and I started as a cashier and I was like 20, 21. And soon after that became the the department manager of the small animals section, which is basically all the animals. Um, so I was in charge of like getting into all the animals and take care of them. Just not the dinosaurs. Just not the dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, and that was a time where we would get in full grown ball pythons covered in ticks and you know all kinds of stuff um green iguanas chinese water dragons you know all the the good stuff from the 90s was it like a a, like a local pet store or was it it was a a small chain it was called super pets i don't know if um i it was a chain but i think it was like a midwest chain possibly okay um Seeing as as you were working with some of those imports from back then do you know where any of them were coming from no we just got I, I said what we needed, and I just got a box full of animals. Okay. Um, I would say a good portion of the snakes were, I mean, and these are ball pythons, were not friendly. Um, and then the green iguanas, usually they had to be put back in the back to be, you know, try to get them back to not skin and bones. We lost about half of them. Mm-hmm. That's um, about right with imports. Yep. Um, so, and this was like fat tail geckos. We, those are like the exotic ones. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I had reptiles here and there. I would, people would bring pets in that they didn't want anymore. So uh, I had naturalistic setups before it was like bioactive, you know, with the soil. And, um, and this was when we had the lights and stuff, but it wasn't like the research. Um, any research I did was reptile magazine. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, inter- I mean, we had internet, but it, well, there wasn't like what it is now. Yeah. There are uh, forums and the, the passionate yeah. could dig through for some yeah. information, but yep. not yep. everything you needed. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and then in Ohio, um, I forget if I said that. Um, and then so at, right now I have a bearded dragon who was a Craigslist find for free on 14 year old kid. He took good care of him, um, but he was a year old. I got him for free. He started out in a 40 gallon um, he's been upgraded since then, and you guys know I'm getting ready to upgrade him again. Um, yep. My ball python, that's technically my daughter's. We got him. It was an impulse buy, but not so much. We had I've done a ton of research on him. He just I wasn't planning on buying him that day. Right. Um, but I had all the equipment, um, and he's set up in a. It's not bioactive, but it's naturalistic setup. Cool. Yeah, we're well, still it, fiddling with him. It's so weird because I'll go on Instagram and I'll be scrolling through my feed and, you know, I'll, I'll all of a sudden see a ball python in a naturalistic enclosure. It's almost like 
a rarity these days. I like mm-hmm. I oh I always double take it. I'm like, wait, what? Someone's got a ball python in a beautiful enclosure. Oh yeah. Well, that's like my number one thing is I love bioactive. I love naturalistic. Um, I'm a native plant gardener, so yep. um, I've research. I've been researching like plants native to the west. Uh, I think it's like mid central Africa. Um, my leopard gecko. I want to get a leopard gecko. I've been researching plants. You know that Pakistan. I think that's the area that leopard geckos are from. Um, the anole. I have a little brown anole. He came in on a shipment of plants. Um, I think it was at Walmart. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and he lives in a, a bio, a full bioactive setup. Um, he's probably the first one I want to get a VivTech ball for bulb for. Cool. I'm gonna try on him. Um, and then, and then I have fuzzies like two dogs, three cats, guinea mm-hmm. pigs. Mm-hmm. And then the tarantulas, of course. Okay. So I, I want to talk to you a little bit about all the plant stuff that you've been mm-hmm. doing and how that's going to kind of go into your reptile keeping or how it has already been incorporated. Yeah. Uh, so when did you get into uh, this this plant hobby of yours? Because it looks like you've gotten pretty Professional heavy. Professional plant. Oh, yeah. I've actually had plants. My mom had plants like the whole time I grew up, you know, 70s and 80s. We always had houseplants. And then, okay. I mean, I've always had houseplants, but probably when the pandemic hit, these millennials went crazy with plants and now they're available everywhere. So I could go in a Walmart or a Kroger and buy more like rare species of plants. So I probably have over a hundred house plants. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It, you know, scattered out through my house. Um, so plants, I've always had love animals and I've always loved plants. And then having to be able to have those two things combine, I mean, yeah, they go hand yeah. in hand, right? Yeah, they do. That's pretty awesome. I um, uh, once we get into a little bit about like what struck you with retics and everything, um, I, I definitely want to hear your plans for all that. But um, mm. so, uh, real quick, I want to uh just drop a VivTech plug here. So, mm-hmm. um, Erica and Ryan McVeigh sent me over uh their gateway and their sensors um that read ambient temperature humidity. Uh, that's connected to Wi-Fi. You can get notifications pushed over to your cell phone that you can control through their app. And um, everyone knows I've talked about Sensor Push as like the ultimate amazing sensor. Um, they are very expensive, but they are literally top of the line sensors that you can buy out there. Um, you know, one sensor is $99 or gateways, $99. They're expensive stuff, but I have... Um, a sensor next to my sensor push in the incubator and a sensor next to my sensor push next to one of my enclosures. And the largest difference of temperature that I have seen so far is only 0.4 degrees, which is extremely impressive because these VivTech sensors and the gateway are extremely affordable when you Mm -hmm. compare them to sensor push. So just wanted to give an update on that. Ryan, uh, Erica, thank you for that. Um, So far, it's looking good. Oh, yeah. And my house is so old and drafty. I'm having temperature gauges is a must. Yeah. So you're on because you don't have a retic yet. Nope. Um, and I love that because you've been a part of our Patreon community for months now. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's awesome about you being a part of that is uh, the involvement even with other species and everything that we're able to share outside of retics. But let me ask you this before you joined our Patreon, like how long before you joined our Patreon, were you interested in getting a super door for you want a super door free tick, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like how long before? 
probably just a few months. Um, I, you know, I love reptile YouTubers and I was watching um, Wiccans, Wiccans, Wiccan Reptiles. That's hard to say. And he had Garrett on and I've always loved like big snakes. They're just, but I, realistically, I can't, I can't have a big snake. I don't have the space for a big snake. I don't know if my husband would be agreeable to like a 19 foot snake. You guys know I live in Ohio. I can't have anything over 12 feet, um, which I found out recently. Um, so I was watching it and I had Garrett on and then he was talking about the super dope retakes and I was like blown away that there was something I wanted in a tiny package. Right. And immediately I was like, I want one of these. So I, I do what I always do, which people always talk about Facebook. You know, it's the devil. It's horrible. But you can find some really good groups on Facebook right? and it's so much different from a care sheet. Cause a care sheet's like a static, you know, it's, this is what it is. And but none of you... the care sheets ever match. Oh no, <laughs> they don't. And then, so if you find a, a group, a reptile group for a certain species, you get like firsthand knowledge. Um, like, you know, I was really interested in tegus. I joined a tegu group. I was in it for six months and I was like, that's, this is not for me. I'm, learn from these people, you know, I'm, there's just some stuff I was like, I'm glad I did this before I bought a Teku. So I was kind of searching through the Facebook pages and I found the group, the retake, Superdorf retake group that you and Garrett are men, admins of. And through there, I found the retake lounge, which I think I found you like right when you guys started. I'm pretty sure I, you were only a couple episodes in. And then I just joined the discord because what better way to learn about a snake you know, or a reptile you don't have, then join a group of people that are willing to share all their experiences. Right. I don't even have to drop a, a Patreon plug. Appreciate no, it. I mean, <laughs> honestly, joining, this is not like, you know, like brown nosy and everything for a discount, but joining the Discord page is probably one of the best choices I made for the research because, I mean, honestly, I could go on there any time of day and ask a question, which I do constantly. I'm, you know, I'm always like, even with my ball Python, you know, I haven't, I can't get them to eat. And they, everyone is so friendly on the discord and they immediately have answers to my questions and yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you kind of feel at home there. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, so let me go ahead um, and pick your brain on like so you you were wanting a big <laughs> sorry there, there's fireworks in the back oh. there's fireworks <laughs> yeah literally it's, fireworks. It's, the, it's the first warm day we've had and people are just eating it up so i'm, I'm gonna mute myself for a little bit so you're just celebrating going on outside i was literally about to ask jamie like are you safe like i sounded like muffled gunshots in the background i was like <laughs> do you live, no. live in the okay place yeah. um, i mean I, I had to listen for a second yeah. <laughs> um all right, Jamie. So I guess you talked about like, you know, wanting a big snake in a small package and you're talking about like that being something that drove you when you found out about Superdorf retics, but anything else about retics that kind of like is, is making you really want them? I think it's probably the intelligence. You know, I, I like having an intelligent animal and I like having an animal that can recognize me as an owner, um, that I can offer, you know, an enriching environment and they're going to take advantage of it. Um, I, I will say, and I mean, everyone that has a super door for our regular retake, I guess, always talks about how smart they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a big, 
pro for me. Yeah. I mean, I love my bear dragon. He's not, they're not the smartest, you know, <laughs> cookie in the box. So, I mean, I feel like bearded dragons like are, but like in comparison to like other lizards, like mm. they definitely have their moments. Yeah. Like he definitely recognizes like I bring him food. Right. You know, but. Like I have a buddy who has a bearded dragon and um, like when he takes out the water bowl and puts fresh water in it, mm. he has to put his finger in the water and make the water move for the bearded dragon to actually be like, oh, there's water in here. Well, most people don't even give their bearded dragon a water bowl, you know, because they supposedly don't recognize water, but I've seen mine drinking out of his. Fair enough. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Sam learned something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you're at the point, like, do you feel like you are ready to own a retic? Yes. I think the only thing that's stopping me at this point is just how expensive they are. Yeah, like wanna... a, especially when you have that size limitation. Yes. On yeah. I mean, I could buy like a half mainland, but then that would defeat the purpose of getting the, the smaller package. Um, and, you know, I want to be ready. I want to have everything ready for the snake, you know, and I could get one and have a little quarantine tub and say, you know, I'll have the enclosure in a couple months. But, you know, I don't want to procrastinate on that. I want to have, this is an active snake. It's an intelligent snake. I want to be able to have the enclosure, have it set up and be ready to go. And that's part of the financial, you know, like you're going to get expensive snake, expensive enclosure. Luckily, my husband's handy and he could build something for me. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually a good way to go. A lot of people are very um, quick to want to jump in and buy the snake and don't think about, you know, a year down the road or even that. Um, And then they're scrambling Mm -hmm. and then they're like, oh, I need an enclosure now. And then they go to buy one. They're like, everyone has a 12 to 16 week wait. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I've waited six months for a cage before. And when you're talking about an upgrade, you don't have six months to wait. Well, and I mean, I want to have UV on him on my on the retake, you know, and all the heat and the plants and the, you know, the all the stuff that goes with the naturalistic enclosure. It's not a cheap (laughs) endeavor. Yeah, every every time someone asks me about how I did my caging at the start, I said I started with their adult caging and just mm-hmm. added as much as I needed to to make them comfortable in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you've done a bunch of research. Um, in doing your research, like what did you find? What was correct? What was incorrect? What like I mean, what? Tell us I... about that journey. I yeah, tips for new people like, <laughs> trying to get into it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the feeding. People have such a differing opinion. You know, a few small meals closer together, big meals fall apart. It's still really confusing. And I think that's part of having the Discord community. Um, I think everyone on there pretty much agrees, you know, on the smaller um not overfeeding, I guess power feeding. You know, I've right. listened to a couple podcasts about snakes that are overweight mm-hmm. and the all the neck, the, what's it called? The necro, neck, not autopsy, necro, what's the Necropsy? word? Necropsy, yeah. yeah. On, on snakes that pass away and they have like the fatty liver disease and all that stuff. And um, I think so, but feeding is one. And then just the racks in general. Um, I'm not a rack person, but I also, don't have a ton of animals. I don't, and I don't, it's not like I'm a, like no racks, I'm against racks, but 
um, as a casual keeper with only a few animals, you know, someone's like, here's this drawer and has a bowl and some paper and a stick, you know, like I, that's just not who I am. And, um, and there are such, it's not even in the retail community, I guess it's in the, just the snake community in general. It's, you know, and then people don't listen to the latest research, you know, on brain development and enrichment and muscle tone and things like that. So prob but I do think the feeding, once I get my retake, you know, I'll be on there every day. Like, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's totally okay because I still do that to this day. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in my seven years of keeping, I've changed up how I've fed drastically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I keep it and mine is totally different. You know, I, I, and like, even within a given year with all my snakes, I go through periods of really big meals spaced out very far. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then smaller meals way more frequently. And, it, well, and I, then I just, from the research I've done, I feel like that's almost the right way to go. Cause snakes don't have consistency in nature. Right. They might have a couple big bowls <laughs> and then, you know, go for a little while, then have a few small meals. So I don't know necessarily is a right or wrong answer as long as your snake is healthy. Not right. losing weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. we've talked about how hardy these animals are episode yeah. after episode. And you have to try to do some damage to do some damage. Yeah. yeah. And I think probably obesity is probably the number one. And, you know, none of my animals are obese. So except for my pit bull but that's not my fault that's my fault. <laughs> yeah that's that's the one that scares me the most yeah. for sure yeah. yeah when when you were doing your research did you ever come across a point where like you kind of had doubts like you're like oh wait maybe i whenever i hear about the feeding response that's probably uh, my number one worry you know you always see people with their snakes out of their enclosures and they're handling them and their snakes are you know friendly i guess as friendly as snakes can be or and then but then you'll hear like no make sure you tap them and they have this feeding response and um i think that's a little nerve-wracking a little bit i've never have never owned an animal that that's an issue you know like my bear dragon's not lunging out of its enclosure my ball python just hides in his log every time i open his enclosure and you know, my knoll just hides and, you know, the, the reptiles I've had, you know, I've had geckos and things like that. Like, I I do feel like that's why I want to start off the baby. Because I, yeah. I, I tend, all my animals tend to be found animals, you know, like adopted mm-hmm. or rescued or someone's given an animal away. This might be, will be one of the very first animals that I bought specifically from a breeder, specifically as a, a baby, just so it helped me get over that right that fear of that feeding response a little bit i did the same thing because i'm i'm a big baby and you know i'm not gonna say that it's all that we make it out to be uh they're not lunging out at us every Mm -hmm. single time we open their enclosure but you know it's gonna happen so you just you just have to yeah be aware and know that they get over excited for food well and i think i wish more people would it's either like the crazy sensational stuff are it's their retics out of their enclosure are eating like right like what like you see, see online yeah yeah it'd be nice to just see people doing the tap you know with the hook and getting their snakes out right just to see how that goes um we'll, we'll put some more patreon content out there and do that yeah. um, i i even have a, a video i'm about to put on patreon here soon and i'm handling my biggest girl she's still 
not off food, still heavy into her feeding cycle for breeding. And, you know, any little thing that gets near her face, she gets a little jumpy. So as I was putting her in the tub, even then she reacted and opened her mouth a little bit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So things like that, I think are super valuable for keepers. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's hard to put that out in an educational way without it also being used as fodder against us. Yeah. I can, I can see that. Like this big, scary snakes coming at you. Right. Um, so, and I mean, I think that's a good thing to like in general, if no one has ever owned, like if someone hasn't owned a retic before, please start with a baby. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. hatchling as young as you can buy it. Um, or with a super dwarf, at least within that first year, because what I've noticed is the only snakes that, um, only snakes that I get, uh, you know, a little nervous about when opening up that enclosure, using the hook to turn off that food response are all snakes that I didn't raise mm-hmm. that I, that I got already established an adult, you know, um, but all the, all the animals that I've had since they were within that first year, um, I don't have a single one that I ever get nervous about because I, I am very on point with knowing all of that behavior. And, and you, it's kind of a beautiful process to be able to grow with your animal and watch them mature and grow and, and you get to learn their body language. So starting off with a baby is definitely the right way to go. Well, and I also finding breeders that I, either know personally like you two are offhand like Eric that I know are handling their babies too and like I know like I know know they're handling their babies and right. they're not just sending me some baby that's been stuck in a you know a grow out tub for six months and then here's your baby that hasn't been it's been handled two times to be weighed or picture you know photographed um that I think that's and super important to make those connections in the community to, to find breeders that even if I don't buy from one of you guys, I know I can ask you like, Hey, this person has a snake. What do you think? Right. Right. Um, so in regards to, so feeding was that biggest concern that you had any others that you ran across or when you were doing research that you're like, uh, maybe not. Um, the feeding was like a big one. Um, probably the pee and poop you guys talk about constantly is another one, you know, like, (laughs) cause you know, I want to go bioactive or leech natural, at least naturalistic. Um, cause there is kind of a difference. Um, but you never hardly see it in the retail community. And I don't know if that's just because it's such a niche and a lot of breeders have them and they don't, they keep them very sterile. Uh, I'm starting to see a little bit more. I know I shared one on Discord the other day, a beautiful bioactive setup, and I asked that um, that member some questions about it, and she says it works fine. Uh, I guess if you don't have a big giant mainland, you know, pooping all over the place, but right. Um, I you know, and I keep my animals enclosures clean, but I'm not like I'm I'm busy. I work. I leave my house at eight o'clock in the morning. I don't get home until seven o'clock in the evening. I cook mm-hmm. dinner. Monday through Friday, you know, so I don't have downtime until eight o'clock at night. Right. Uh, so I don't want to spend every single day cleaning up retake pee and poop. Yeah. So, you know, having a smaller, that's another thing. We have a smaller dwarf species. I'm hoping that will just be a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see uh, some of your progress with it, get tips on plants and stuff you're using mm-hmm. in there, but that kind of, leads me into my next question can you uh describe some of the plans you have for setting up your enclosure for the super dwarf yeah uh, so like 
what heating you're going to be using. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you said you're going to be doing bioactive, but mm -hmm. a little bit deeper into that. Well, I live it on two acres. It's an old apple orchard, like oh, not nice. the little tiny apple trees that you see now, but like, I mean, these trees are 50, 60 years old. So I have tons of big, huge branches. I have natural wood, um, like cave systems, like logs that are hollowed out. Um, I found Daniel, um, how do you pronounce his last name? Sol Solis? Solis, yeah. Yeah, his, his videos have been awesome. Um, I love his caves, the caves with the the little nooks, nooks and cranny. So that's kind of why I want to do like a bigger enclosure and have one side more of a tropical jungle that kind of leads into something that's like a cave system. I know it's like big plans, but. Um, that, that's like the right way to do that, though. That's like amazing. Yeah. I love hearing that. So uh, yeah. my, my thing is I have to, my husband is very important in this procedure because he's got to actually build me the skeleton of this. Um, so I would like to have, but I can't decide whether I want to do like the foam that looks like the, the rocks or actually get rocks. Because once this setup is set up, it's probably not going to be moved anywhere. Um, we're not moving. This is our forever home. I don't have to worry about getting it out of a doorway or anything. Um so it would be really nice to have two separate like microclimates. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure about the heat yet. That's still things I have to work out probably with you guys. Um, I definitely will have, I can't use ambient. My house is freezing cold in the winter time. I don't have air conditioning. So in the summertime I probably could, uh, but I'm used to dealing with heating elements with the bearded dragon. You know, he's got to have like 100, 310 hotspot. Um, but unfortunately with regulations all of the cheap heat bulbs are going um they're illegal now i think right. so i have to spike very expensive reptile um heating elements so we'll see any any heat source that you're leaning towards um i don't know because after talking listening to you guys i've realized that there's not such a need for an intense hot spot which is good so i wasn't sure if i should just use um a deep heat projector bulb arcadia makes some nice ones with the with the the shield the cages yeah that well, was one of them and the deep heat projections um i've read a lot about them and i know people that use them with retics and they they seem to work really well yeah i i had one on the ball python but he prefers the basking bulb he never came out in the dhp but he does come out in the visible light okay, and bask cool. at night right before i turn his light off he usually comes out and bask a little bit that might just be him. I don't know. And I definitely am going to give him that my retake UV for a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely react to it. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then, like I said, I have, um, and then plants will just be your basic, you know, pothos, things like that. Um, I do need to do some research on the Indonesian plant life. I was going to ask you if you've gone that far. No, I haven't gone that far because I'm still doing my Beard of Dragons. He, I'm, he's getting that upgrade. And I just got some, I got some seeds from New Zealand um, that I need to start um, to plant all around his, his enclosure. It's native, like Australian seeds. Because I'm a giant nerd. I, I mean, I think that would be awesome. If you yeah. were able to find native Indonesian plants. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if this is even possible, but even trying to find any native like plants to the island, the the super dwarf that you yeah. plan to get, right? Oh yeah, and the that's... best the best way to do that is actually use iNaturalist. Um, oh yeah, I use that all the time for herping yeah. in the summer. Yeah, true. yeah. If you use iNaturalist, people will take pictures of plants, and then what I do is I 
look at those plants and then I Google that plant and then I see if it's an invasive species, which a lot of times it is, or if it's not endemic to that area. That's so I, that's, again, this is kind of, you know, going back into, we've talked about this before, but I really appreciate the people that are getting into these animals for the first time. And the mindset is so much different than it was even like five, six years ago in regards to what you provide for the animal and all that kind of stuff. Um, so well, seven years ago, people were just gunning to get these things because right. they thought they wouldn't be able to. And then now that, you know, it's opened up again, we're able to think about it in a little bit more of a thought out process and then yeah. instead of just trying to get the animal inside your house. Well, and then, you know, I don't have any breeding plans. This is a purely a pleasure animal. I don't know how you would describe it, you know, like it's for me to look at. So I want the whole thing to be beautiful. Right. right. You know. So you mentioned like a semi-bioactive, like what kind of soil do you generally use or are planning to use? Um, you can just use plain topsoil. It has to just be um, temper line, temper line. I think that's the brand. Um, just makes it, it's, it, there's no fertilizer or anything like that in there. Um, and then you can also use um, coca, coca core. You can mix that in there a little bit. Um, so like my bearded dragon, he's got a little bit of clay, a little bit of sand in his enclosure mix. Um, but cool. that one, I'll probably use some like, you know, orchard bark. Um, the, the number one thing is just to find a soil, the base soil that's not like a fertilized soil. So it'll yeah. probably just be topsoil with some amendments. So maybe some charcoal, um, maybe some perlite or pumice just cool. to make it air like airy. The uh, thing is it's going to be heavy because it's going to be at least, you know, six, eight inches. And yeah. then I've been racking my brain to figure out the drainage layer. And if I can put a drainage on the bottom that I could wet it down every once in a while and just soak, the soil and have it drain out we'll see i don't know that's just one of my things that's brewing in my head but i have to be careful of the cleanup crew which is all the isopods and springtails right are you um, thinking of anything bigger as far as the cleanup crew um i don't know it'll probably just be i mean i could also do um like dubia roaches mm -hmm. sometimes um i actually have a dubia roach colony that's also in a bioactive enclosure um and Talk I about providing the most for your animals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. No, and I love them. My daughters called them. All my animals have names, and they're just the Raphaels. Every single one of them is the Raphaels, and <laughs> um, so yeah, they I get. I get. I miss them every day. They get fresh greens and fruits, and and it was funny because it was actually a package of dubias that was for my bearded dragon, and people are think it's weird, but they're cute. The babies look like little roly polies, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> So now he just gets crickets and black soldier fly larvae. And you have, and you have, uh, that's funny. You turned yep. your, your, um, your roaches into your pets. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just feedback in, in regards to like bioactive and especially with the big poop and stuff, I've mm -hmm. talked to a lot of people mm -hmm. and they say that it's totally doable, but when they do get bigger and the crap gets big, you mm -hmm. just got to spot clean it. Well, and I spot clean my bearded dragon. Um, the, in, this, the cleanup crew doesn't eat the urates. So I just have to pick those up out of there. Those little dried white pellets. Um, but they clean up everything around it. So, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So now I want to know, like, did you come across any, uh, like 
come across any information like myths or you know things that that you had originally thought about retics that you came across in your research that proved to not be true um more so the mainland not the the dwarf retics which is like you know, I, I remember reading articles like the re- reticulate python is the only python that's been known to eat a human in, in the wild. Have you guys ever read that article? Classic. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and then, you know, I've seen a couple um, sensational videos like this woman that went to rescue one. I mean, it bit her and wrapped her arm and like there's blood everywhere. Um, so I think seeing those and you're kind of a little they're not aggressive you know like that i think that's the one thing that i've learned that a lot of those bites that i've seen have been food responses of non-experienced keepers and right. not um aggressive bites yeah i yeah de- i definitely think that we've gotten away from like the traditional classic mean uh you know defensive retake mm-hmm. you know there's always going to be one in the in you know that one in like a bunch that that you know has that kind of demeanor but um yeah super tameable and i mean uh talking to you mentioned daniel solis's name earlier talking to daniel um over facebook when he was on the islands and they would actually you know grab the animals from these mm-hmm. super dwarf islands like not a single one was inclined to bite oh yeah and i and then i watched the um dave kaufman and adam wick adam wicked is that they were in that cave Mm-hmm. And there was retics everywhere, and they were all just like super chill, right? You know, they I have think no they're... reason to defend themselves. Right. They're, yeah, they're perfectly taken care of. They have mm-hmm. food in abundance. Yeah. Well, it's There's funny because after them, I've been a reptile keeper and lover for a long time, but I've never really kept snakes. And um, I think the one thing that actually this is going to sound weird is in Virginia, we go to Sandbridge, Virginia, a lot. Uh, we started going there like six or seven years ago, and there's a, it's called Back back Bay or Backwater Bay, but there's cottonmouths everywhere, like Sweet. everywhere. And there's hiking trails all through this cottonmouth, like swampish area, um, boardwalks, and there's cottonmouths just everywhere. And there's been two bites, and I think she said last 20 or 30 years, and one, I think both of them involved alcohol, but I could be incorrect on that. And probably a male. Uh, yes, both of them are men. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's that's the game we play. We go there almost every single year. We go hiking, and the game is let's spot cottonmouths. And honestly, since I started going there, and I'm like, that's super interesting because, you know, even as a reptile lover, I think it's just human nature to be afraid of snakes. Um, and then you learn right. that these snakes don't want anything to do with you. They don't want to bite you. You know, you could walk right past these cottonmouths, and you won't even see them. Yeah. And I mean, talk to any reptile keeper or talk to anyone who's been bit by really any animal and they're going to tell you that that bite was their fault. Yeah. Something leading up to that bite, something they did is what ended up leading to that situation. So, right. And majority of like most commonly, you know, kept snakes as pets, um, I hear over and over again. And I mean, I can now say this, that I've been bit just a few times, um, I'd rather get bit by one of my snakes than get scratched by my cats. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you kind of mentioned that you have been looking for breeders that uh, are handling their babies, you know, giving that interaction to their animals before it comes to your door. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you plan to interact with your animals? How, what do you 
plan to do with them? Maybe your kids getting involved, that kind oh, of yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. My daughter, she's the one that's 13. She loves her ball python. And she's super excited for when I get a retic. Um, I know that I'll probably have to, like, tell her, like, all right, it's time to put the snake back. Um, but I do plan on handling it every day, hopefully, um, for, you know, for a little bit at a time in the beginning. Um, and then I see people have these, like, awesome snake playgrounds. I do have a, a screened and covered porch, which it's not, um, it's only three season, well, probably two season for a retic, but um, having it build up with stuff for them, for them to climb around and, or them, one. Them. Um, Look at it. See, so you're already, you're already <laughs> addicted and you haven't even yeah. gotten your one. Oh yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't stop at one. Well, it's a good thing they're so expensive because I'd right. probably have a few by now, but um so I think that would be so cool. You know, you see Lori Tur I can't remember she was Karini. Karini. Yep. She's got some awesome um snake enclosure like um enrichment things that she has set up and you know, just going to like the thrift store and looking around like what can I buy that would my snake would like to climb on and Yeah, I can't remember who it is, but I've seen someone in one of the YouTube videos that has uh one of those dome jungle gyms I pinned to his ceiling so they mm -hmm. can just climb in and out of that so uh, well, we have like, bob with green room who oh, is yeah, doing yep. stuff with like macrame so there, yeah, there's his little options. snake playground that he has in the background i love that thing mm -hmm. yeah that's really cool and it's also a good way to just get your kids like really fascinated and interested mm -hmm. from like a good distance while being able to just love and appreciate and yeah. observe and it's good because both my kids are bigger uh, 11 and 13 so oh, it, can, it's not can handle yeah. a bite <laughs> <laughs> i don't it's, i don't have to worry about them like opening the cage and letting it out or right um, you know like my daughter is my animal girl she has not a maternal bone in her body for little kids <laughs> you know like our my little grand nephews and nieces but she loves animals so yeah and if hey if, if your kids i mean i i feel like at those ages like if i tell you to not open the cage because you know, it's a retake. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. And you do it anyways. You know, you play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. Well, yep. That's called getting a retake bite because right. they think you're a mouse. Yeah. I think 11, 13 is probably the perfect age for a kid to start with some small retakes, but, you right. know, with some good parental supervision <laughs> like you have going on over there. Yeah. And, you know, retakes are not the only oh. snake I want. Um, I eventually think I'll get a corn snake and things that are a little bit more. Um, I don't think I'll handle a cord snake like I would a retic or um right. But so I it's crazy because like I I absolutely love corn snakes. Like mm -hmm. looking at all the colors and the morphs. I don't have an interest to own them just because like I'm not a big colubrid fan, but like mm -hmm. I think in that sense, like if I were to get a bioactive setup, oh yeah, naturalistic and then just get the most beautiful corn snake that you can mm -hmm. and just let it live happily in there like i think that that's something i'd probably be down to do well it'd be amazing and garter snakes you can have a community oh, of them yeah and we have garter snakes everywhere around my house you know i live out in the country mm -hmm. not that i would catch a wild one but be able to have like a communal snake setup that right. would be amazing I've, I've gone trail walking here in san antonio and i've seen some garter snakes like two or three of them poke their head up oh yeah right like it's mm -hmm. really it's really cool to see that they hang out together well you know my neighbor they're they're afraid of them 
and the, the little girl comes over and she's like, my mom hates these snakes. And she, you know, and she's one of those like as good snake as a dead snake kind of people. And right. so I teach her, you know, like, no, these eat the, you know, they'll eat the pests that go into your barn and get in your goat feed. And right. Yeah. I typically just reply with, you know, good, uh, you know, the <laughs> dead person's, you know, just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I teach preschool, so I'm always teaching my kids about creepy crawlies and, I have my kids now tell me like my mom found a spider and we put it outside because I told her Miss Jamie won't said you don't kill spiders and yep you see know, you're just you're you're growing that young generation I shaping the future that's beautiful now do you get any opportunities where you are able to educate with the animals at the preschool yes my bearded dragon has been a visitor um and then actually my yeah, I don't assume the research show, will. show and yeah. tells show and tells your favorite day huh yeah it is <laughs> every time i do any kind of um study that involves you know like something i'm into like my tarantula actually my my big the big tarantula i have is he she's been to my preschool um my roaches have been to my preschool um i will buy cricket feeders and i'll set up a little like 10 gallon aquarium with some soil and i'll bring crickets in for a couple days before i take them home and their bearded dragon food um, <laughs> i have awesome. probably not my retic but once my ball python finally eats and um i can we handle it a lot more and stuff he'll probably come in but one of another teacher's um boyfriend had brought his ball pythons in cool yeah and danny just sent me um a retic skin. Oh, that's right. I saw oh, that. Draxus. Yeah. So I yeah. cannot wait to get that. I'm going to laminate it. <laughs> We're going to oh, hang sweet. it on the wall. Yeah. Sweet. I, and I will say this, I know that you said probably not the retic, but I actually mm. would encourage you if you yeah. end up getting a good, you know, handleable retic. Well, that's, this, that's like, all, it all depends on the particular snake I end up getting. Like, and, and I can control I mean, the head. You're good. Yeah. Right. Control the head, keep it away from the kid's face. But at the end of the day, like I, I, um, like there's just something about kids seeing a large, like a little bigger of an animal mm -hmm. that, that look on their face is just like, it's priceless. Oh yeah. Um, I, my, my helper, uh, Sean, who comes over, uh, he, uh, has half siblings that are younger. And I remember the first time that they came in and they were just like, Whoa. Well, even yeah. like my ch kids, friends come over and just see the, the tarantulas, you know, they'll say, oh, I'm scared of those. And then I notice, like, throughout the night, they'll get closer and closer. And because they're in a cabinet with a, a sliding glass door, so the cats don't knock them off. And, and you know, then they'll be like, well, can you feed it? You know, like, it's just, I feel yeah. like it's just part of my job as a keeper to help people get over that fear. And if it's, but even the teachers, like, when the the one dude brought his six into the daycare, I had and in my and my spider, they're like, I don't want to see that. And then you'll see him creeping into your classroom to look. And then you know, it's like, come closer. Yep. So, what are your like long term goals for the retake that you have, and how do you plan to ensure that they thrive with you? Um, no breeding. Uh, I know I've said that multiple times. I just don't think that's just in my jam. But um, just mostly to. I love research. I love when new papers come out and I love when new, like Ryan with the VivTech balls and LED, I know he's got a lot of skepticism, but everything he's proved so far has been amazing. I love that stuff. Everybody's got to be the first in something, you know, there was a first in the fluorescent bulbs, you know, and right. I just like, well, you know, with my beer dragon, he started off in a 40 gallon. He started off on paper towels and then he had some soil and then went bioactive. And now his new enclosure is going to be six feet long. It's going to be three feet high. You know, he's going to have climbing opportunities. And 
multiple uh, ecosystems in there that it's just part of the fun of having a limited amount of animals is learning more and more about the species right. and then the things you could do with that species. Um, and then just ha- bothering you guys constantly ask you questions when something <laughs> goes wrong or I'm confused or, you know, hey, that's what do. the retake lounge is about. So, well, and I already do it now with my ball Python and I don't have a retake yet. So <laughs> no, we welcome that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Just, um, I, I think that there is something about making something as naturalistic as possible. And what I mean by naturalistic, I'm not even talking about like having to go to the whole springtail and, mm-hmm. and, and the whole, you know, quote unquote bioactive because, uh, you know, truly, you know, I was talking to someone about this. I, I won't name drop them, but they mm-hmm. said something to me that really kind of blew my mind mm-hmm. because it's kind of true. They're like, you know, no one here actually keeps a true bio like no one here keeps bioactive i was like what do you mean mm-hmm. and they're like no one takes the type of soil and the ecosystem that that snake is from and brings it over here and puts mm-hmm. it in there so therefore mm-hmm. all they're doing is throwing dirt and soil together and they're putting a bunch of insects in there mm-hmm. and calling it bioactive but mm-hmm. in reality it's nothing like the actual true you know what they're from so but like getting to do a naturalistic and like what you said your plan is like one part tropical one part cave mm-hmm. um it's really enticing to me as well. And um, I've even had thoughts of, you know, when we move and I get a bigger place and I'm able to, to expand more, just being able to have opportunity to do that as well. Well, and I think that's, again, where closure size comes in. You can't do that in a tiny little cube or a tub right. or a rack or it's got to be something substantial. Um, and yeah. that that's another thing about having a smaller I know people like the word collection, but you know, just I don't know another word for it. Another a smaller collection of animals. Collection. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah, gets offended with collection? Oh, I've heard a couple of people like um, they're the crazy. So, um, but you know, just <laughs> having just a having a liminal space, I have to be very um, meaningful in what animals I bring into my house. Right. I want thirty-five different species of reptiles, you know, but I got to make sure I have space for the ones that I bring in. Right. And 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 do it right. Yeah. I totally like that mindset too. Like uh, I I hear a lot of people that are like, you know, uh, they'll inquire about a snake of mine. Um, And it's really nice and refreshing to hear someone say like, uh, you know, I have to hold off for a bit. I I need to get some upgraded enclosures for the, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's nice when people take care and prioritize the snakes they have first before Mm -hmm. just going out and buying more. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that's, I don't think a lot of people think that way. Oh yeah. Well, no. and it's, well, it's all it's about nice. the next thing. <laughs> oh, and I can see how it is. Like we have so many expos around me. I don't know what it is about where I live in Ohio. I'm like kind of between Cincinnati and Dayton and Columbus, like in that little area, but there's constantly, there's like two or three a month that I could go to. And, um, there's one in near Cincinnati. And I mean, I could go every month and buy, you know, new animal. Like I want a leopard gecko. There's 15 tables of leopard geckos and crested geckos. I want a crested gecko. And um, just really, it takes a lot of willpower and having to put a new transmission in my van. But yeah, yeah. It, it <laughs> takes know. me, it takes me. Well, I, I find a snake I want every day. Yeah. Uh, well, and, the, and the bad thing about being an adult is uh, 
you know, it's my money. Like I can, right. Like I can, yeah. I can. It's my money I, and I need it now. Right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I also have a husband, you know, and like trying to convince my husband that I want a snake that's going to cost between one thousand, two thousand $2,000 when he's lived on a farm and they had free barn cats, you know, and right. their dogs lived outside because they were hound dogs. Yeah. I mean, he's very, very supportive of, you know, me and I your weirdness. Say, yeah. My weirdness. Yeah. And, uh, he's he helps me with my enclosures he's you know he's helping me convert that um display cabin i got for my bear dragon i know he'll help me build my enclosure if i tell him like oh, i i have this problem like how are we going to get ventilation he's like his little engineer brain is like i'm gonna figure it out but again you know we're grown-ups we have bills to pay i have kids my kids need braces both of them and oh so well yeah. let me let me ease one little misconception and and you're going to have to do your research, but it seems like you're fine with doing that. Yeah. Uh, just knowing what I've produced in, uh, in the years, I've had 50 percenters that stay well under that 12 foot mark and that are well under a thousand dollars. So you don't always have to break the bank to get the size animal that you want. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. That's why I need you to be my helpers. Yeah. I mean, the safest way to guarantee mm-hmm. yeah. under twelve foot is getting Absolutely. a is getting a pure. But there's yeah. definitely um, animals out there that will not, you know, they they won't get twelve feet. Um, that that can definitely be um, much much less than a pure. Uh, you just gotta trust who you're getting it from, mm-hmm. and uh, really just. Well, that's in the, that's another huge thing with the Facebook community is like that is such a huge debate. Like size, like what size? It's a guess, or we can guesstimate, you know. Or but the guess. one thing everyone kind of agrees on, or at least most people agree on, is if you're able to do your research, look at the lineage of the parents, grandparents, great grandparents, as far back as you can go, then you can make an educated guess yeah yeah an educated guess and i mean there's it's you know an educated guess is basically a a fancy way of saying like a smart guess i had a term that i was gonna use but no so i was expecting more lucas yeah no me too come on lucas um man drop the well is is ohio you know gonna come knocking at my door with a ruler you know like I don't know. Like that, yeah. I doubt too. Uh, the, I, I wonder how they enforce any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, is it possible that they could do that? I don't know anyone who ever has. Like, I mean, for example, here in Texas, you need uh, an exotic species or uh, indigenous. I forget what the actual permit is called, but you need a permit. You go to Walmart, it's 30 bucks, you get it. And then, like, you have to have locks and, you know, there's certain parts that you know that you need to do in order to you know just keep responsibly but like is it a dangerous animal permit something like that no 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 it's a uh uh it's basically a permit that allows you to keep an animal that is not from the state of texas okay um i'll look it up native okay so um but they're never going to come knock on your door. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, I mean, I feel like now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not never, I'm never say never. I've had knock on my door. So, yeah. so I guess it's more of a, um, it, it's more of, it's unlikely, but at the same time, I'm also not trying to encourage people to break 
regulations and laws. Oh, yeah. Because when people do and they get caught, that's when the rest of us get screwed. Right. And, you know, ever since that, I think it was like 2012, I don't know when it was, and I had that big exotic guy, zoo guy that let all his animals loose, and there was like lions running everywhere. And um, But like I said, there was, I don't know if I should say this, um, there was people at the vending that were not following the rules. And I don't see, you know, like, uh, probably until it's a problem is when it's a problem. Yeah. I guess if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and then laws are made. So it's, right. it's yeah. up to us to kind of police within our community oh, as yeah. much as we can. And that's what I feel like too. I don't want other people to step in. I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite liberal, but I, you know, I don't want things that I enjoy regulated. Right. So exactly. I just, you know, try to follow the rules as much as I can. And then if I can, so if I can find something that's under that 12 foot, and still get what I want. Yeah. Yeah. So just to circle back, it is called an exotic species permit. There you go. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess I, I want to ask one question and then I want to start a rapid fire okay. um, with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this last question is like someone is in your shoes, but like several months back of like mm-hmm. thinking about getting a, like the idea of getting one, they came across the super for the first time, like you did. What advice would you give to them? Um, my Probably my number one is join a community. Join a community of retic keepers. That's your number one thing. You're going to get firsthand experience. You're going to have dumb questions maybe like I do, and you're going to ask them. And um, that's the best way to learn. You can read all the things that you want about them, but until you actually interact with retic keepers that have experience and been doing this for a while um, – you're not going to get the answers that you that you want. You may know temperature and you you know like the facts like you they need this temperature and this humidity, but you know like what if my reef does this? You know what do I need to do and mm-hmm. who is a good breeder and you know like what should I look for and how do I find a sick animal? You you need that community. And we're lucky now. I mean, within the last five seven years, whatever we you can go on Facebook type in whatever you're looking for and there's a community for it. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I, in a, so many Facebook communities, a retic one. I'm in a Savannah monitor community cause I want a Savannah monitor. I'm in a bear dragon community. I'm in advanced, you know, herpetological husbandry has advancing, you know, the one is husbandry. I'm in a reptile lighting community. And I know that um, the VivTech is discussed a lot in that reptile lighting community. There's jerks. There's always going to be jerks. I work with jerks. No, I should say I work with jerks. This you're you're on Facebook. You're not. You're no. not getting off Facebook on these groups. You're still on their site. So yeah, the I mean, same you just <laughs> you just avoid the trolls. You avoid the drama. And there's yeah. always that's such a small percentage of it. Um, and even sometimes the drama can be informative because it can it be is- informative. But I, I think it's important to know when and when not to interact with it yeah. and oh, you yeah. know it, it it can take a lot from you if you're even just reading into it and oh, getting yeah. invested emotionally oh and that's why i'll see someone on the facebook group and i'm like i screenshot it and i go to the discord i'm like did you guys see this let's talk about this <laughs> you know because i know you guys and i know that we can have a, like tell me what you think about this we can have a rational right um so any other comments or things that you want to make in regards to just doing your research and being prepared to buy a retic before we jump into this really fun part? Um, 
No, just do your, like I said, do your research, find community, find some friends, um, be, been, be financially <laughs> prepared because this is not a $30 leopard gecko you're going to buy at, you know, the expo. This is a, this is an investment. And, and they're eating big food, so they be are, ready to yes. invest into big yes. food. Figure out what, figure out the long run expenses yep. before yep. you decide that the animal itself is expensive, but then the enclosure is going to be expensive. The food's going to be expensive. The lighting's going to be expensive. Like you just can't, this is not an impulse buy for sure. But it is to some people. It happens way too often. I don't have any breeding ulterior motives, so mine's a right. Oh, one and done. Hopefully. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I that again. That's refreshing to hear because I, I you know a lot of people who you know some people have never even owned a retake and they're like, yeah, I want to breed retakes and I'm like, but do you? <laughs> I got kids. I don't need to worry about snake babies. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, uh, Nathan, you want to open it up or you want me to? Go for it. I'll jump in. Okay. All right. Um, salty or sweet? Um, depending on what time of the month that is. Okay. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair All right. This is your first girl interview. It is. Um, All right. Uh, let's see. Uh Oh wow! What's your favorite food? Um, Thai food. Okay. Just Thai food in general. Uh, are you more of an introvert or extrovert? I am a ex introverted extrovert. I am a totally Same. an extrovert, but then I need to be alone for like a week. Me too. I, yeah. I cut hair. That's where I get my extrovert yep. side out, and then snakes at home, and yep. I keep myself there. Uh, put, oh, I was gonna say we're gonna put that to the test: a night out or a night in. Um, now that I'm 46, a night in, Okay. but back in the day, a night out. Okay. Uh, any superpower you could have? Um, probably, oh, we have this conversation a lot in my family. Um, I would wow. s probably say flight. Okay. Yeah, okay. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. I always say telekinesis cause it seems to cover a lot of oh, all yeah. the others. Yeah. I my my go to is I just I wish I could turn into any animal I wanted to. That is all, my always my second one. Um, do you correct people's grammar? No. Your teacher, you should. Well, my my kids' grammars grammars that they say, "Hey, I really like when you do this." When you I'm do like, this, yeah, when you do this. <laughs> Speaking of pet peeves, what's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, rudeness! I do not abide by rudeness. There's a quote from the Kingsman, um, manners maketh man. It's my favorite quote in the entire universe. Okay, I'll use that one for my barbers. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you believe in ghosts? Um, I don't not believe in ghosts. Okay. You know, like right. I don't I've never seen proof of one, but I'm not gonna say they're not a lot they're not there. So Right. There's also not proof that they're not. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Okay, if you could have dinner and talk with anyone alive or dead from history. Um, probably Anne Boleyn. Okay. You know, she's such she's been marked like like a little minx, like she's a seductive and she's manipulative. I would like to know if that's true. Okay. Yeah. Uh we're we're seeing a little bit of Jamie's personality come out. <laughs> um cannonball into the pool or dip your toe in type of person oh cannonball love it every time oh yeah 
my husband and I just talked about this. <laughs> Do you learn by watching or learn by doing? Doing. Okay. Um, let's see if I can. So, um, okay. Round us out here. Well, geez, now the pressure's on. Pressure. Well, it seemed like you were putting the pressure on yourself. I just wanted to <laughs> add fuel to the fire. Um, well, on that note, let's just yeah. wrap up for the evening. Um, Jamie, can you let people know? Um, do you? Well, you don't have a a like a, a retick or no, a, a I'm just, I, page, so I don't. No one, yeah, yeah. Don't be a creep. Shameless self promotion. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you, do. I mean, I have an Instagram. I have a private one, but I have I made a public one. It's mostly okay. plants, but it has reptiles. It's lost and found. Lost and found gardens. Lost. Uh, what's those little things at the bottom? Not not a dash. A under or under, underscores. Yeah, underscore. Okay. And you know you'll find me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jamie. Uh, you were our first female interview, and Yay! it was awesome having you on. Thank you. Our um, first interview without a retic, so you better believe we're following up with you uh, a couple months into oh. owning this animal and my, getting well, my a husband more said, information. Does this mean you're locked into buying a retic now? You're <laughs> locked into our podcast for a I little am. while. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, everyone, thanks so much uh, for tuning in and sticking with us through the end. Uh, Drop your comments down below if there's anything else that you recommend that, you know, people getting into retakes that don't have one should do. Um, don't forget on YouTube to hit that like button and hit the notification button. Uh, Nathan, you got anything else? No, uh, not much besides, uh, guys, we have our Discord meeting coming up this Friday. So if you want to jump in, uh, Patreon links down in the description. Join us and hang out for a little bit. Uh, but besides that, we'll see you next week.